everyone, welcome to episode 45 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week, we're going to do our usual roundup of vulnerabilities and fixes that have affected the supported Ubuntu releases. We'll start out with looking at Dovecot. Uh, we've got a live patch notice for the kernel. We've got our all-time favorite ghost script and uh, the patchy web server, just to name a few. Plus, uh, Joe and I are going to have a talk about uh, some recent WordPress plugin vulnerabilities and uh, password breach on hosting a service. And we'll also look at some other news from the community as well. All right, so let's get into it. So this week, the team addressed 22 unique CVEs across the supported Ubuntu releases. Uh, the first I want to look at is Dovecot. So we've got one CVE here that was fixed for all of the supported releases, including our extended security maintenance releases, that is precise extended security maintenance, trusty extended security maintenance, Xenial, Bionic, and Disco. So the problem here was that uh, the IMAP and the managed sieve parsers for uh, Dovecot would fail to check for embedded null bytes in strings. And so it would parse strings, uh, as you would expect, and uh, in doing so, it might need to unescape certain characters in them. And so it would first kind of do a pre-check to see where the first of those characters was, and then it would go and try to unescape the string from that uh, point onwards. Uh, the problem there was that if it contained null bytes, that kind of first character that it would return as, uh, would sometimes point outside the string itself. And so then it would go and try to unescape memory that wasn't actually the string. And in unescaping it, you know, it's rewriting the string essentially on the fly. So it would go and write to uh, other memory. So you've got an out-of-bounds write there. And so the fix for this was relatively simple. It was just to disallow uh, embedded null bytes, so to first check across the string through that, and then also to not try to optimize that unescaping by jumping partway into the string, but to actually do it across the whole string. Uh, unfortunately, when that was published, uh, we then had to publish a fix-up uh, release for it. So we published uh, a Ubuntu security notice, which was a regression for Dovecot. Uh, in particular, the fix that we applied was kind of an initial proposed fix that Upstream had for that. And uh, when they uh, actually released the final release, there was a change to that. And we unfortunately released it with the proposed fix that had a small bug in it. So yeah, we released an update that, uh, that was the final fix for that as well. The kernel team has also published a live patch notice. So uh, this uh, last week, uh, they published live patches for both the Xenial and the Bionic kernels uh, and for nine different CVEs across those. Uh, these were all CVEs that I have mentioned in the past that have been covered by standard kernel package updates. Uh, but if you aren't in the habit of actually rebooting to get those ever and you do have live patch enabled, you will have got those fixed for free. Uh, in particular, these included fixes for things like uh, ptrace credentials race, uh, a couple of different heat buffer overflows in Marvel Wi-Fi drivers, uh, some null pointer dereferences in various spots as well. Yeah, so if you want more details on that, uh, they were covered back in episode 43. Uh, speaking about stuff we've talked about in the past, next up I want to look at GhostScript. So this week uh, we released an update for four different CVEs in GhostScript for Xenial, Bionic and Disco. Uh, Steve Beattie on our team handled this one and did a great job of it. Uh, so all of these were four more uh, different variants on the sandbox escape that has we've seen many times for GhostScript. Uh, if you want to hear more, listen back to episode 43 was the last time I talked about this, so not that long ago, but I've been mentioning it almost ever since the start of this podcast. Uh, and yeah, as I say, all of these were variations on escaping the sandbox, but using the force put operator from various spots uh, in the PostScript scripting language. Uh, we've got an update for Ceph. So one CVE that was addressed for Bionic and Disco. This was a denial of service issue where unauthenticated 
unauthenticated clients would be able to crash the RADOS gateway by disconnecting at a certain time. Essentially, this would then trigger a null pointer dereference when uh, the server went to look up the remote address for that connected client. Now, older, older versions of Ceph were not affected, uh, and so this doesn't cover, say, the versions in Trusty and Xenial uh, because this was in the, uh, the Beast uh, Redos Gateway front end, which isn't in those older versions, so it only affected Bionic and Disco, hence the, the updates for those, but that has now been fixed. And last up, as far as updates go, I want to talk about uh, Apache. So seven different CVEs that were addressed for Xenial, Bionic, and Disco. Uh, the first of these uh, was something I talked about a couple of weeks ago. This was some uh, denial of service issues in HTTP protocol implementation. Uh, we talked about this in relation to Nginx back in episode 43, and uh, the team published a knowledge base article about that. So if you want to know more about that, uh, you can go and read that. And I've got the link in the show notes. So that was fixed. Uh, there was also an open redirect in mod rewrite if you have uh, self-referential redirects configured. So if you've got any sort of redirects that are self-referential, uh, they could possibly be used as an open redirect. So that was fixed. Uh, there was a stack buffer overflow and a null pointer dereference in uh, the mod remote IP uh, module. There was a possible cross-site scripting in mod proxy. Uh, if you had uh, configured mod proxy, but had misconfigured it so that the proxy error page was shown, it was possible that the attacker could control uh, the link that would get shown in that error page. Uh, there was a user after free that was fixed uh, during uh, HTTP2 connection shutdown. Uh, also related to HTTP2 were a couple other issues. Uh, one in the HTTP2 push uh, module. So if you'd enabled that, this allows the server to send resources to a client before it actually requests them and uh, it could get confused and could overwrite memory uh, in part of that uh, the request pool for those uh, resources. But um, this isn't actually under the control of the client. This memory is kind of pre-configured. You, you pre-configure what resources you want to, to send. And so, you know, there's not a kind of arbitrary memory overwrite there, but it is still a uh, memory overwrite and so it could cause a crash and denial of service as a result. And yeah, the other HTTP2 issue there was on HTTP2 upgrade. So if you had configured it to automatically upgrade a request from HTTP 1.1 to HTTP 2, and uh, this was not the first request made on the connection, if the client then requested it, that could lead to a crash. So that was also fixed. And that's it. We've got a short week in security updates this week. So next we've got an interview that I did with Joe McManus about some recent WordPress plugin vulnerabilities. And we also talked about uh, this password breach that happened on Hostinger as well. Hey, Joe. So we're back again. Uh, and this week, you've, we've got a couple of topics that uh, you found to talk about. Uh, the first one is WordPress plugins and vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, so I brought this one up not particularly about WordPress, even though WordPress is a very popular target because it's so popular, but other things that rely on plugins like Jenkins and other systems like that. But... Um, so there's this new plugin vulnerability this week that came out. It's um, there are these plugins called Components for WP Bakery, um, Page Builder, Donations, Travel Management, Booking, and Learning Courses. Um, these have all been patched, but um, they have uh, basically more or less um, cross-site scripting vulnerabilities or page redirection vulnerabilities. Um, so you go to a page that has a trusted name and it can send you off somewhere else where they're scraping your credentials or delivering malware or something like that. Um, so this stuff happens there. You have to stay on top of your um, updates. 
I'm not sure um, if you're using WordPress, Alex, or anything, but um, there's an amazing plugin called, um, I guess we're talking about plugins. There's another plugin for WordPress to address plugin vulnerabilities called WordFence. And WordFence is really amazing. There's a free version and a pay version. The free version um, blocks people from trying known vulnerabilities. It kind of has like an IDS type of system where it sees people hitting pages that are known vulnerabilities and will block them. It blocks repeated failed logins. It does automatic updates of your um, of your plugins and of your WordPress installation itself, um, which is really handy because WordPress being so incredibly popular means that it's a really popular target. So. Um, make sure that if you're running WordPress, do these updates, along with any other web-facing application you have that you've installed plugins for. Most of these applications will update themselves, but they won't update the plugins that make them useful. So make sure you stay on top of that. Yeah, the thing with WordPress that I always found interesting, uh, and that's kind of made it hard from the distro model, is that you know, their security story is really, you have to stick with the latest version. You know, there is no backporting of fixes, and from a distro point of view, you know, that's almost impossible to do. Mm-hmm. But what they've done, though, as a result, is they've had they have made uh, the whole sort of updates uh, story really good themselves. You know, they kind of have handled that all themselves. You know, WordPress will uh, can directly update itself, and it mm-hmm. can tell you which of your WordPress itself can tell you which of your plugins are out of date and need updating mm-hmm. uh, if you actually log into the you know the admin console. But yes, WordFence is really cool. I hadn't tried that until a few months ago, and uh, yeah, it's uh, even the free version. Uh, I think it also blocks known bad IPs from trying to mm-hmm. access and that kind of thing as well, plus all the other, the other stuff you talked about as well. So, yeah, it's definitely something that if you are running WordPress, uh, you should install WordFence as a plugin because uh, those guys really know what they're doing. And actually, they even do their own uh, like security bulletins, plus they do their own podcast about um, you know WordPress-related security things too, if anyone is interested in that. Do you think... Um I'm just going to assume they listen because this is such an amazing and popular podcast um, that we could do a joint podcast together. I'm just throwing that out there. I know someone from WordFence is clearly listening. So get at us. We're uh, security at Ubuntu.com. <laughs> Anyhow, um, <laughs> we are overestimating our own worth. So it's interesting. Uh, even with this, it is the same old story, isn't it? Keep your, you know, know what software you're running and keep it updated. And it's... Absolutely. You know, and where there are tools to make that easier for you, so in this case, WordFence, you know, use those where you can. Yeah, and if you if you run something in production, you have a responsibility to make sure that it's deployed securely and being updated. So even if your production is internal to your network, which leads us to our next discussion, Alex. So um, Hostinger is a web hosting company, um, and they had a hack this week where. 14 million passwords were stolen from an internal API server. And this is interesting because, um, well, for a number of reasons. One, because we you still hear to this day that we don't need to care about security because we're behind the firewall, or we don't need to do this because we're behind the firewall. Um, that's just a ridiculous argument with today's networks, Wi-Fi everywhere, guest networks that aren't properly isolated, etc. This, <laughs> this, concept of being behind the firewall and being safe, being safe just, just doesn't apply. Um, so this internal API server was hit and they got 14 million passwords, which I believe were required them to reset all of their customers' 29 million passwords. Um, and they did something really interesting. 
um, they announced that they were switching from SHA-1 to SHA-256. Which made me pause. <laughs> so, first off, SHA-1? Really? I mean, like, it, it's... SHA-1's been around for so long, there are so many rainbow tables and lookup tables. Now, I'm a big reader of... Um, of this one uh, uh, security blog threat post. I think it's great. Um, and there was a quote in there saying that they're, they upgraded from SHA-1 because there was a um, collision attack. Like, no, there's a simpler attack. It's called a rainbow table. There's a Kali plugin for it. You can just paste it into Google. So my, my ask for folks who don't quite know what I'm talking about, um, go, to the, go to the prompt on your Ubuntu box and type echo apple pipe SHA-1 sum. You're going to get a hash back, paste it into Google. You will see that it immediately comes back with the word Apple because there's so many lists out there. You're like, okay, awesome. They, sh- they switched to SHA-256, so we're going to be safe, right? So Echo, Apple, pipe SHA-256 some. Paste it into Google. You get Apple back. Okay, so I'm not sure why they didn't just go to SHA-512. Because it's there, right? So do your Echo Pipe Shaft 512. Right now, as of today, that doesn't come back. But that's still like just the lamest excuse. Um, why aren't people using salts? So, okay, so you don't familiar with a salt. So you've got, um, you've got a user with a password and then you've got a salt. So you're going to type Echo, but now you've, got this shot, now you've got this salt, which is a randomly generated string appended to the word Apple. You type Apple. And the word and your and your salt pipe that the shall one some paste that into Google you will not get that back. Okay, so you store the you store the salt, you store the um, password encrypted obviously with the salt. I'm sorry, hash not encrypted hash in your database. So now you've got 14 million passwords that were exposed. Well, you'd have to launch 14 million rainbow table attacks using that salt with that password understanding your code to figure out how you use that salt to try to attack. It's going to make that password cracking attempt significantly harder. So hard, unless you are a high value target, they will move on to the next person. So this is code that like everybody knows how to use these days. Um, really, you should be implementing this. Um, the fact that folks aren't, it's really surprising to me. Um, I assume they've been audited as a hosting company, uh, but you know, with code bases being so large, it is easy to miss something like that. But that's a question that should be asked when you're doing an audit. So if you are listening to this and you have any responsibility over how passwords are stored, check and see what kind of um, hashing scheme you're using and make sure there's a salt and not MD5s or shell ones in there. Yeah. Uh, I guess my question is why aren't they just using like Bcrypt or some known library to do this for them where you get the salt part for free plus mm-hmm. you get you know multiple rounds of hashing and things that are you know known to be more more secure um it reminds me of uh, i don't know if you've, you've read this it's a it was a blog post years ago um so there used to be a security company called matasano uh, founded by thomas tasek and uh he had this awesome blog post i think it was called if you're typing aes into your code you're doing it wrong (laughs) but the whole idea was that uh you know no one implements aes as an algorithm by hand right but lots of people will implement crypto schemes that use aes right and it's the same kind of thing here you know no one's going to hand code a sha hash right 
but lots of people will hand code, say, a password storage scheme that uses a SHA hash. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing that, you're still, you know, you shouldn't be directly doing that. You should just be making use of some ex existing library that, um, that wraps that for you and you yep. just deal with a high level API uh, that, you know, is feed in password, get back, you know, encrypted, you know, whatever that means, version of it as a result. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's, it's the same old thing. You know, if you're writing code by hand, that's more stuff that you then have to maintain. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can get that from a known good library, you've then got one listing that you have to, you know, code you have to maintain. You mm -hmm. just have to then update, you know, say dependencies and, and that kind of thing, which you're already doing anyway because you're maintaining, you know, a heap of other dependencies probably in your software packages anyway. Yeah, like you're exactly right. Don't reinvent the wheel. Have a community built doing the updates for you, not just you. Um, it's, it's, it's something, I don't know. I'd assume when you have a certain number of customers and there's, there's credentials and, and money involved, you should definitely be going a step further and auditing your authentication scheme a little closer to notice that you're still using shell once. Yep. Cool. Um, that, I think that's it for this week, Alex. Um, we'll come back next week with something new and exciting for everyone. Cause that's what we do every week, right? <laughs> Awesome. I can't wait. Okay, bye, everybody. Have a great week. So thanks again for that, Joe. Uh, always great talking to you. Uh, the next thing I want to look at in the community news is that the uh, security team uh, recently published all of the OpenSSL 1.1.1 uh, upgrades from uh, the Bionic release into the security pocket. So uh, the foundations team at Ubuntu had been working on upgrading OpenSSL to version 1.1.1, as I said, in particular to roll out our support for TLS 1.3 in Bionic, which is the 1804 long-term support release. And so that had been published uh, to the updates pocket in Ubuntu. And this has now been published also to the security pocket. So uh, if you are running, say, just security without updates, you will also now have support for uh, TLS 1.3 via OpenSSL 1.1.1. And that's it for this week's roundup of community news as well. And that takes us to the end of this week's episode. As usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can reach us at security at ubuntu.com. Or if you want to uh, chat with us on IRC, you can find us hanging out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on the Freenode IRC network. Or finally, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can find us at Ubuntu underscore sec. And that's it. So a uh, bit of a shorter week this week. Uh, thanks everyone again for listening for another week. Uh, I'll be back again next week uh, with more of the same stuff. And yeah, remember until then, keep calm and enable automated upgrades. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.